Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Alright folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 199 today. Uh, we are joined by our friend and uh, uh, colleague, Lee Adams, and uh, we are going to be discussing his new book, uh, Visionary Guide to Lucid Dreaming, which everybody should check out. I have the link down below the video. Uh, I really highly recommend it. If you're into dreaming, dream analysis, lucid dreaming, all that kind of stuff, it's an amazing um, reference for that. Uh, so go check that out. Again, the link is down below the video. And before we get started, head on over to patreon.com slash podcast for just $2 a month. You'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments. Um, we have a bunch of stuff on there. We have even one from Lee not that long ago when he was on, when we were talking about Indra's web. Uh, and that's like a whole another catalog of episodes. So go check that out on our Patreon. And we're probably going to do one at the end of uh, the episode today. So look for that. Um, and one more thing, head on over to indrasweb.org. It is live. This is the social media platform that we created to connect open minds. So whether you're talking about lucid dreaming or UAPs or uh, ancient uh, knowledge, whatever it is, head on over there and it's the perfect place to speculate, hypothesize, theorize, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, but without further ado, welcome back on the show, Lee. Thanks for having me. It's always Thanks a pleasure. For joining us. <laughs> of course, this is, I, it's, I mean, we had you on not that long ago, but I think this is your seventh time on the show. Oh, so, shit. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the most on any guest. Yeah, you're oh, one wow. of our, uh, yeah, I think you're probably, I think that is, you're probably the most frequent guest. Maybe Chris, our buddy Chris Emerson early on was on more, but he hasn't been on in a while. But uh, yeah, that's got to be some kind of record. <laughs> not like taking well, your skate off and stabbing somebody, <laughs> but you know running out of things to talk about with you guys i'm just kidding <laughs> i feel like we're all friends so it's kind of fun to see you guys again and yeah have a conversation you know absolutely well yeah i was excited for you too your your book uh, it's been doing pretty well i've been seeing you making the rounds on the podcast and i, I read it and uh, i really enjoyed it um we talked a little bit about it last time you were on but i told you we'd get you back on when it was released and uh so why don't you give us a little bit of a feeling like how does it feel to like publish your first book and kind of get it seriously like I mean because um, I imagine it's pretty exciting on some level yeah I mean it's a long process to get anything like that out into uh, the public especially if you go through a publisher because um, you know they they edit it and uh, re-edit it and re-edit it again to make sure that all the spelling and grammar is kind of fixed as much as they can because um, they don't want to be you know putting out something that looks like trash so um right. that was a big process but i mean um you know the getting getting that specific book i don't know about other people's books you know um because I, I really don't talk to a lot of authors out there but getting that book was really challenging to get out because first of all my spelling and grammar is pretty much um probably equivalent to like a fifth graders uh no ability. you're selling yourself short i thought it was really pretty it was really well written i thought i mean yeah um, I, mean, I had a lot of help you know but you were um, very like concise i thought and like what you were trying to say i didn't feel like at any point you were like it was just kind of 
confusing. You know what I'm saying? Like you were very clear on like what the message was you're trying to get across. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I wrote like a rough draft of what I wanted out there. Um, and then rewrote it again and then had a editor assist me in rewriting it again, you know, so that it made sense to somebody that just picked up the book without actually having any knowledge of mine. You know, like it's like anything that you write, if you look down at it and you're like, oh, yes, this makes sense. And then you give it to like your significant other and they read it. They're like, I don't have a clue what the hell you're talking about. You know, it's like, um, and I found a lot of like self-published books were like that, you know, as well as even um, books that I was reading sometimes that I, you know, was through a publisher. It's like, what are they, what are they saying? You know, like I have no idea. And um, so I really didn't want to repeat that. And so, you know, I've spent a lot of time working with other people to say, Hey, you know, like, here's my writing. Does this make sense to you? And they're like, no. And then I'd have to go back and rechange it or, you know, get some comments and feedback from them and be like, well, this is what I was trying to get at. Is there a better way of saying it? So, you know, in, in that sense, I really felt like the book kind of, um, took on its own life, you know, because I wouldn't say that it was, it's all my words. It's kind of a, a group activity, you know, like I take the credit, you know, it's like, um, any inventor in a way, you know, you take the credit of the work of the other people behind you kind of, and the people that provided the research prior to you and everything. And then you, you're like, here I am, this is my stuff, you know, but really, uh, I want to make it very clear to people that a lot of people came before me, a lot of people helped me and assist me in like understanding, um, the dream experiences and the states I had, you know, I reference like, um, uh, young a lot in there as well as uh joseph campbell's hero's journey uh robert wagner ryan hurd um stephen leberg all these different people that have really i think paved the way prior to me and really inspired me to uh see dreams and experiences like that in a different way that um really could help people but where i found lacking in a lot of um in a lot of previous books that I've read. And also the reason why I really wanted to write something, you know, unique, um, you know, is because I found what was lacking is that these people assist people in having these experiences, but they kind of leave them like high and dry at that point. They're Mm. like, okay, now you have the experiences. See ya. You know? And it's like, what, you know, like, what am I going to do with this? You know, it's like you have, you essentially have superpowers, but go figure out how to like, use your superpowers you know right and and hopefully you don't like cause any damage to yourself or others in the process you know it's like it's not a very good mentor i don't think so um you know i i've struggled a lot with my own personal dream experiences and what they were kind of mean to me and uh primarily like reflecting with ryan hurd who i call my mentor and friend and he gave me a lot of feedback on like how to look at dreams in a different way and how to kind of use the dream experience to kind of uh, help yourself and change who you are and like listen to the dream and, and create this mythology, a personal myth. Ryan, you know, he said that about my book and I didn't even really recognize that in my book um, until he said that is essentially what I'm trying to do is extend the the dream experience more and make it so it's more meaningful for people and say, this isn't something that you just analyze and put in a little box or anything like that. It's like building a conversation with your dreams and like actually trying to listen to them and try to treat them as if they're like essentially another personality, another person or consciousness that you're 
you're interacting with and then learning from it, you know, or, mm. um, you know, figuring out what the world is. I think it's filled full of positive and negative, say, consciousnesses, and that the more you interact with them, the more you realize that this this is a very uh, vibrant, uh, full, active world inside, you could call it, inside your mind, right? And it's so massive that it's essentially um, something that you, you know, it's not something to put in a box, and that's what I'm getting at, I think. So, mm. you know, my, my book took it from, it definitely has the, the basic stuff in there of saying, like, and, and also more advanced stuff saying, like, oh, this is what you do to have these experiences. This is how you, like, improve your sleep so you can have experiences like that. But then pretty much the second half of the book is, is talking about how to use those experiences to uh, interact with the dream in a different way than is typical uh young you know kind of tried to do that i think with his work and so i found that really important too is uh um i don't necessarily like use jungian techniques in order to explore my dreams or encourage people to do that but what i do uh try to encourage people to do is kind of look at dreams from a jungian perspective as in um he listened to people and he took their experiences as something real, not just fantasy. And uh, he found reason behind people's experiences versus just um, things coming out of nothing, you know, and or insanity caused from just nothing, you know. Like he found that these people had something to say, and there was a reason behind the their what they were saying. And so, you you know, if you do that, if you take people's experiences and your own experiences as something um, important and maybe there's meaning in it and you try to engage with that, I think you find meaning in it. You know, you really find this deep uh, meaning that typically is just completely ignored by modernity. Right. So Hmm. um, I really that's I think that's the the most positive aspect of that book, you know, but back to your question, you know, like it, it took a long time to write that. It's a simple book. It's easy to read on purpose because I didn't really want to make it something so confusing to the average person that they couldn't pick it up and be like, oh, yeah, you know, like um, I had these same experiences. You know, most books that you pick up, you're like, I have no idea what this author is trying to say. These are so complicated concepts that like I can't really even, um, you know, even approach it. And I like when I they work, the when like authors like work up to like, I like the complicated stuff, but I like when it's like starts off like, like if you started going like this was a series and you started with your book now, that would be like a good first book. And then you could go into some of the Jungian stuff or some of the more complicated yeah. aspects of it. I think that's the way to do it is to create like a series in a way where you put the first one out, people can kind of get used to it. And then you build off of that and it becomes more complex. Yeah. Well, um, I would say that my book actually is very complex in the sense that it's not complex to read, but I ask very hard questions that I would hope that somebody would um, reflect on for the rest of their life. Um, one of the the first chapter I think is uh, why why are you having these why are you trying to have this experience you know and that's pretty like right in your face. It's like okay, you want to have lucid dreams? Tell me why you know, and that's not not an easy thing to explain. You know, it's like mm. well. I want to, you know, have some cool thing. It's like, well, why, you know, it's essentially like just using why in order to get to the source of the question, you know, and I think somebody could spend the rest of their life 
uh, really asking themselves that, you know, or any why to what they do, anything, you know, it's like, well, okay, I'm interested in boats, let's say, right? Well, why are you interested in boats? Well, you know, and you keep asking, and eventually, like, the person really kind of loses uh, their reasoning. They're like, well, I don't know why I'm doing this, you know? Right. It's kind of like an unconscious action that I'm just trying, I'm in, interested in, you know? I don't understand that. So the whole point of that question is to really reflect on all things in your life and say, well, why am I actually doing these things, you know? And so just, you know, that's chapter one. And it's a it's a basic thing. It's not complicated to explain to tell somebody, you know, those things be like, Hey, why are you doing this? It, uh, but in the sense, it's a super complex, deep question that most, I don't think anybody can really answer. And that's kind of the point. And then explores consciousness and so on, you know, it's like, right. what is consciousness? Well, there's all the, I don't say, well, consciousness is this, you know, I say, these are all the different aspects of consciousness and nobody knows the answer to really what consciousness is. So, you know, that's an ongoing question, too. And it, it builds off of that into, um, you know, it kind of confuses the person on purpose to say, hey, you don't really know what's going on here. But, um, you know, and then here is you can have these deep, really challenging experiences through just lucid dreams. And then it takes it and says, OK, now you have these complex uh, experiences now this is how you can engage with those experiences and start learning from them as um you know uh, anecdotal experiences right you learn learning from the experience itself rather than going to the research and saying hey you know like when is when am i having dream states you know i'm I'm in ram or whatever i'm i'm treating it more like what we're doing right now we're having a conversation right if you read my book and you you know you're like okay i read Lee's book. I've gone through every letter. I know exactly what Lee's thinking, you know, and, and then you have a conversation with me. You're like, no, 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 I'm going to tell you who you are, you know? And I'm like, right. dude, you don't know who I am. Let's have a conversation. Let's sit down and talk about it. You know, there's a lot more information and knowledge exchanged in that, that conversation versus saying, oh, okay, you know, I know what dreams are. I know what every experience is because the research says this, it's just random noise. You know, it's like, no, no, no. I'm I'm treating it as if you're treating the dream state like a person, a personality that you can have a conversation with and you can learn. And that's really the true, I think, the true knowledge, the, the real knowledge is in that. It's not in, um, you know, uh, dissecting the dreams and, like, pulling apart, like, how many times you saw a snake or whatever, you know. It's yeah. like having the conversation. Well, let's point out, too, because I'm sure there's some people that are like, lucid dreams oh yeah i know what that is i have it all the time there's a different i think most people think of lucid dreams is what they're really thinking is having a vivid dream right yeah. like there's a lot of people that like to what i talk about with this where they're like oh it's, you know yeah i had a a very memorable dream you know i know what that is it's it lucid dreaming <laughs> is you're actually aware or have some alertness of you know your day-to-day -day consciousness within your dream so you can change things, manipulate things, kind of alter things in that regard because yeah. you're alert to what's going on. Um, so I, I just wanted to point that out to some of our listeners. Yeah. Who are probably... I, I define lucid dreaming very basically. I think I've told this on your show before, but lucid dreaming is essentially just having some form of awareness in the dream space. And that include, you know, varying degrees of awareness um, and also like 
you know, I include out-of-body experiences and astral projection, all that stuff into a lucid dream state because you, in those states, you have some form of personal awareness. You're, you're like, I'm in a dream or I'm having some type of experience and I kind of has some concept of who I am in this experience versus just being in uh, the dream. I kind of, a good analogy is like, you know, driving a car, Sometimes you can drive the car and get to work without even knowing that you're in the car or driving or what happened during the experience of driving your car. And yeah, then you're sometimes. Just in your own head, right? Yeah. Well, it's and then a sometimes. Thing, yeah. Well, dreams are, you know, the same thing. It's very reputable. We do it every night, multiple times. So we're not really aware of it. And then, um, and then sometimes, you know, you're driving the car and somebody slams on the brakes and you're like, whoa, I'm, I'm back in the car, you know, and then you're aware that you're driving. And it's kind of the same thing as being present in the dream experience, you know, being aware versus just being a um, being along for the ride. And so there's, you know, there's something to be said about being aware all the time, you know, in in those experiences. But there's also it's also important to not be aware, too, you know, like driving cars and right. like that. So and the most Do you have any step by step uh, instructions in the book on how to achieve better lucid dreams. Yeah, so I stick to science in that in that aspect. Um, there's lots of different re- ways to have lucid dream experiences, right? And sometimes it's just it happens naturally to people. Um, but really, I stick to like the the most effective ways based on peer reviewed research, which is uh, wake back to bed and um, the mild technique. Those are really supported by research. The other techniques may be more effective in some ways. Uh, for other people, but I stuck to the most effective ways based on the research so that most people could have the experience. And, and it's been that way for me too. You know, I try to keep things simple, you know, kiss, keep it simple, stupid, you know? And, um, sometimes that's the most effective way to do anything. And so I tried to really keep it simple for people, but I also talk about like supplements and other more advanced techniques that people can use to, kind of up their game if they choose to, you know, and I've gone through, I probably spent years like going through all the different ways that people have said to have the most effective lucid dreams and really like, um, you know, some of them worked, you know, but consistently it was kind of hit or miss for a lot of them. So I went back to the basics, you know, and just said, okay, these are the ones that are consistently effective. If you stick to them, you know, just do this and you'll be good. And hopefully, you know, people take that um, in the book, you know, and run with it. Yeah. The most effective one for sure is the wake back to bed. So, I mean, for me, I always wake up at like three or four after go to the bathroom real quick. And then when I go back to bed, if I was either in a dream or not like in the deep sleep, and then I fall back asleep, I most times have some sort of a, a lucid dream. Um, and I think I told you this, I felt like when I got better at meditating, lucid dreaming became easier to like get into that state yeah i mean that would be like what i call awareness training right like reality checks which essentially is like checking to see if you're dreaming or not throughout the day um the effect the way that they're effective is it's it's really bringing awareness to reality it's saying okay i want to be present i want to be aware during my waking life so when i'm in a dream state i want to be present i want to be aware you know so you kind of um, what you do in the day affects your, your, your dreams and what affects your dreams affects your, your waking life too. So if you want to bring lucidity to the, the dream experience, then 
um, spend your life being more aware of the activities that you're doing during the day, such as like driving the car, really pay attention to the environment, what's happening to you, the, the sensations of acceleration and deceleration, the sensations of getting angry at the, <laughs> at the driver, you know, in front of you or behind you or whatever, uh, the smells, the, the tactile sensations of the car, the radio, you know, how the emotional impact of the sounds and stuff like that, all that stuff, really try to be present and aware. And the more that you do that, the more that it will affect your dreams, bringing some form of awareness to it. Um, you mentioned like the aspect of control in the dream experience too, you know, and um, I don't necessarily include that into lucid dreams at all. That's kind of um, an individual, you know, um, I should say that's not down. that's not all the time either. That's yeah. it does happen sometimes, but it's not like a regular thing. And I don't right. even know how you control. I don't know how you get to that though, <laughs> either. Right? Like when it's there, you know how to do it, but it's like it's not something that happens regularly. Yeah. So um, the reason that control is such an interesting thing in waking life as well as um, in dream life is typically there's layers of control, right? So you may be like, oh, I'm in control of my own life, you know, but then you have like political um, uh, activities or limitations by your money and things like that to, while you're awake that control your waking reality, you know, like confine you into who you are and you can't really do a lot of things that you may want to do, you know, also like rules and stuff like that, you know, you get prison time if you murder someone. So obviously like that's, you're not going to go murder people right. um, or, you know, ethical and stuff like that too. So like the level of control that you have wake is kind of limited by that. You have this illusion of control really in your life. Um, and the same thing goes for lucid dreams. Um, you know, there's, there's always this hype, this sense of awareness that creates the dream space, right? I call it like the narrator and the narrator kind of is just like a narrator of a movie. There's, there's, or a director, right? There's the actors, they're playing a part, they have a screenplay, you know, the script, and the director is like, hey, move here, move there, or whatever. And they're kind of directing the show. The actors aren't actually in control of anything as such, maybe like improv on some words they say, right? Uh, but the audience sees it as, you know, this this thing where the actor is like the important one and all this stuff. But really, they're, you know, they're not. Um, yeah. The dream space is kind of the same thing. It's like you you're always having this world that is generated around you and the world includes like sensations it includes memories of things that you've never done before um you know you may be a completely different person it may seem totally normal and natural um the characters around you you know they're they're involved and invested into this the story that's happening around you and you know all the all the senses and the emotional impacts of those senses too are generated by the dream world. So, you know, the question becomes of how can you become aware of a dream? You know, is, is the narrator, the thing that controls the dream and, and controls the memories even on the most part, is that the thing that actually gives you lucidity or is it you that gives you lucidity? Right. Right. There becomes this problem. You're like, Oh my God, am I even aware in my dream? You know, like, or is that like just this dream playing a trick on me almost, you know, and saying, Oh, yes, you're now aware, you know, and it's like, Oh, I'm aware. I think and, it can come and go though, too, right? Cause I've had like bad dreams where 
I tell myself in the dream towards like a middle part, or if I wanted to stop, like you're dreaming, wake up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I think you can, you can jump into that too. It's not something that you start the dream aware and you can control it. I think it's something that also comes and goes throughout the dream. Oh yeah. I've, I mean, I've had dreams where I'm lucid in the beginning of it and then I lose lucidity throughout it. You know, I, I start playing the character again, kind of, and eventually just forget that I'm actually like, uh, me, you know, right. and go along with it. That's pretty common with most people that have lucid dreams or the other way around. You could be, you know, halfway through your dream or whatever. And then suddenly you're like, Whoa, I'm, I'm dreaming, you know, like, Whoa, you know, something crazy happens. You're like, Whoa. But like the interesting part is like, okay, say, say I'm practicing lucid dreaming. I'm like, okay, if I see, you know, if I see a clock or something like that, then I, I know I'm going to be lucid dreaming. So I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm in my dream. And then suddenly, you know, this clock just appears out of nowhere. I'm like, Oh my God, you know, I'm dreaming. It's like, well, who made the clock, you know, like right. somebody, something made this clock appear and it knew that if I saw a clock, I would be aware. And then it's like, here you go. You know, now you're aware. And you're like, well, I did it, you know, but really it's like the thing behind yourself, the unconscious, you could call it, you know, is like, Hey, I'm going to make a clock for Lee, you know, and hmm. like, let him think that he's like aware. Another thing is like, this interesting idea that I've had recently is about like memory and how, you know, it affects you in a dream. It's like some people, including a good friend of mine, and I've had this, have had dreams where they last a long time, right? Like almost seemingly years and you're in the dream experience and it, it definitely lasts. The memory of the dream experiences lasts a lot longer than the actual time that you're asleep, right? Hmm. So say you're asleep for 15 minutes, but it the dream experience extends for much longer than 15 minutes, you know? So how does that happen? You know, it's not time uh, restricted. Right. It's not, time, it's not restricted by real time. What I'm thinking is happening is memories aren't based on time. So, and, and this is, you know, supported by dream experiences where you get into the dream and then suddenly you have memories of, um, you know, a long time of who you are and what you're doing in the dream and everything seems natural, but no time has gone by. It just started, you know, and you're like, oh, I'm fully this character in this dream and I don't have any concept of like me anymore or anything. And so like, to me, it seems like dreams are, uh, or memories are kind of almost implanted into you and you experience it as, as if it's, you know, um, been going on for a long time. So like you wake up and you have all the, like say a dream actually only lasts for like a second. Right. Right. And you wake up and you have this memory of like this long experience where you were lucid in a dream and all these things happened. Right. But like the real time that you were actually having the dream experiences is only a moment of time, you know, it's like, well, what was that all about? You know, it's like a fabricated experience that never really happened quote happened you know in real time you know so i think that's uh, i think your point about the the memory stuff's interesting though because i i was thinking about that too i actually was going to bring that up um i've been having like i had like a weird dream kind of about like where i grew up and stuff like that but everything was different it wasn't like the same it was just all like altered and like different ways it was it had the same feeling of like home and the area and everything but like the structures and everything weren't the same structures. It was, you know, like 
how we think of like, oh, the house I grew up in or whatever. It's like stuff like that is like just altered in different ways. So in that realm, I just have been thinking it's so bizarre. Like how do we construct these new structures? Do we take pieces of stuff that we already know and put it together in our minds? Or is this really some other like multiverse thing happening? Like what's happening where we can create things that didn't exist that I've never even thought about some of these places in terms of like the structure and things like that. Right. Well, um, you know, the back to the memory thing real quick and then I'll, I'll jump on that one. Um, so the, the memory thing's interesting. I've had dreams where I, I literally have dream characters that they play as a psychologist. Right. And, in the real-time dream experience, you know, as far as I know, they tell me that they can remove my memories or give me new memories, and they do it. They show me, and it's it's absolutely terrifying because at, in real time, I'll have a memory of something, and then the the psychologist removed that memory, and I'm like, I I don't know what that was anymore, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm like, I knew that I had a memory, but then it's gone. I can't recall anything. So it's like having, um, you know, Alzheimer's or something like that instantly. And it's like, and they're like, I can control your memories. So don't F with me, you know? And it's like, Whoa, dude, you like, right. you know, so these are like terrifying. entities. These are like, yeah, they're dream characters, you know, entities or whatever you want to call them. They seem to <laughs> have a little bit more dream control than me. And they're like, I'm going to, I'm going to remove your memory, you know? And you're like, what? And they're mm-hmm. like, and it's gone. Or I'm going to implant a memory in you. They tell me ahead of time, and then they give me a new memory. And it's like, I never did that, you know? Mm. I know that I never did that. That wasn't something that happened in my waking life. I'm aware at this point, you know? And they're just like, bloop, and then suddenly I have a new memory of my past that never existed. I'm like, what the... In these dreams, are you... Your body, like, can you look down and see your body and stuff? Because all of my dreams, or I should say most, maybe there's not all, but... It's like a first, all first person, almost yeah. like I'm in a video game walking around. It's just my consciousness. <laughs> there's no body. There's no, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I have looked down at my body again, you know, and I've seen my hands and stuff. But again, like, it, you know, it's like, why did I look down to my body? Why did I have arms and legs at that time? Because mm. other times, if I recall my dreams, I never looked down and it seemingly just is like a first person point that's usually what i have yeah and you're like looking around and you're like you know and, and you don't see my hands or anything i'm just kind of like looking around you're like you know weird like and so it's hard to know like if i have a body if i don't have a body it doesn't make sense that you kind of have a body in your dream um but uh, so going back to your like um your house dream um or you're going back to the old memories of your house and stuff and the things were different you know, that's kind of where, like, scientists and researchers get this idea that random dreams are just random noise, you know? They're like, oh, you just dream about the things that happened in your life and, like, or happened that day, and it's just random. Yeah, but wouldn't it be my actual house that I'm having a dream of then? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. I have a good memory from day-to-day consciousness in the sense that I do remember things. Like, I could tell you what room and what was little, you know, right. divots on the wall and stuff like that. You know what I'm I saying? Think, well, they're full of shit. Let's just get, right, you know, right. let's get to the conclusion here. They're full of shit. Um, so it takes a tremendous amount of energy to make any story, right? Like if you're awake and you're sitting there typing out a script, it's, it takes a tremendous amount of mental energy to sit there and create this, like, the story. And then you imagine, like, 
the complexity of a dream experience. There's a tremendous amount of energy that goes into create this like sometimes very well narrated story, you know, like there's a beginning, sometimes there's an end, right. there's like conclusions, there's like drama, it follows like the same theme as a movie and everything. And then like, you know, and you learn something in it that you've never known before, all this stuff. And it's like, this shit's not random. It, but what I think uh, is the misunderstanding is that dreams seem to take material from our waking reality and it modifies it in such a way to convey a very important story. Um, so, you know, I, I treat everything as symbols, especially in dream states. And what I mean by that is like symbols are simplified images, you know, emotional responses, sounds, senses, things like that, that convey a story to you, a, a very complex thing. So it's, a, it's, it's like an icon that, expresses a very complex uh mechanism behind it something that you can't possibly understand but the symbol itself you can relate to and you can actually use that to to um understand something right that the that these complex things are actually trying to express through you hmm. so like if you you know your house and everything that you've ever experienced is actually symbolic so your house is symbolic because the the house itself is you know, it has tons of information behind it that really, um, that we with our senses can't really comprehend, right? Like we, we sense it, we say, oh, this is my house, but the house is like a very complex thing, right? Well, it's symbolic it, for home. Like home could right. be many different places. It's, it's like a feeling. Right. The shape of your house, right? The shape that houses are put into has a meaning behind it. There's a reason that they're shaped the way they are. There's, you know, what you identify as your house, the meaning behind home, like you were saying, the things inside the house, why you have these things, all the wallpaper, the painting, the colors, all these things are symbolically important to you. And and then also that emotional engagement of what your home was like, your families, things like that, on and on, right? Mm-hmm. So the dream, you know, it has all that information and says, well, what what story am I trying to convey to you? And then it says, okay, I can modify, I can use the house as like a jumping point, but I can modify it slightly to convey a different message to you, you know? So like, um, say I'm watching TV, you know, and this like beautiful actress is on the TV or something, you know, and I'm like, okay. And I go to sleep and suddenly I'm dreaming of her, you know, it's like, well, is that random noise? I don't believe it is because what I think is happening is the dream is, using something that is emotionally uh, responsive to me to convey a story. So it picks that image of the actress and all the things associated that I know about that actress and then puts it in the dream space to say, here's here's a way to relate to me to convey a very important message that I'm trying to understand, you know? And sometimes, like, it's almost like the message gets confused, you know, because, like, um, let's be real here, you know, it hasn't been long since uh, modernism has been around, you know, like modern thinking and scientific methods and stuff like that. It hasn't been long in the human history that those things have really been in Yeah, place. we've really progressed over the last couple hundred years for sure. Yeah, we've progressed in one way and really uh, devolved in another, We've right? evolved with our connection to nature and I think some of the more... Spirituality. Um, yeah, like the more connectedness to who we are and like the earth and things like that. But I think 
maybe I don't know who knows maybe we need to find that balance or maybe we're just evolving into something completely different Uh-oh. I got stuck yeah. in time yeah I mean that's what happens when you start talking about uh, did you uh, did you did you nah. am I still you. here what happened yeah, um, uh, my camera working no your camera's not on if you know sorry folks we got a little cut out there but uh, we're back Lee is back um yeah, that was weird. I don't know. My new computer has cut out a couple times like this. I think that's the last time this did this. We did like had to do like a tarp part, uh, part two, and it just really pisses me off. So I got to call Apple when we're done with it's this. The aliens. Yeah, it's the aliens. You talk something <laughs> um, and shut you out. It's the archons. But uh, so where we're, I think we were talking about memory and lucid dreaming when we cut out. Yeah, um, yeah, so... So you were talking a, a bit about, like, seeing something and then there's, like, an emotional connection to it, and then from there, you know, it, it plays out in your dreams. Right, yeah. So, you know, I was just implying that essentially the randomness that mainstream, what I'll call mainstream scientists um, or sleep, you know, scientists think of when they think of randomness in dreams and how they're random completely is essentially they um they credit that by saying oh well you just dream of random shit throughout the day you know Mm. and that's what makes your dream up but that's not um if anybody really pays attention to their dreams they realize pretty quickly that that's not the case like uh these are very complex stories they're very time uh they're very they're very time uh aligned so like it's like it's like a perfect movie. I've had dreams where, um, you know, I'll hear uh, one instance is I, I heard like an alarm clock going off, you know, in my dream, and I'm like, where the fuck is the alarm clock, you know? Hmm. And I'm looking for the alarm clock, and I and I as soon as I get to shut off the alarm, I wake up at that instant, and then after I wake up, my alarm goes off like a second after that, you know? Hmm. And it's like my dream knew exactly when my alarm clock was going to go off because i set it in the morning it kept time of like you know when when i was going to wake up so it had real time dream memory of time you know it was setting up the dream precognition right yeah you could uh you could say that but i mean one or the other right like well there's many explanations it's like one precognition type dream right where i i knew that my alarm clock was going to off or at this time i dreamed it anyways and then set it up number two the dream kept time and had this very intricate story about what all these processes were going to be when i was going to get to the finally get to the alarm clock you know and then push the button and wake myself up and then the alarm clock would go off um and I forget the third one. Uh, the third one was um, a dream. Oh, what we're talking about memory is as soon as the moment that I woke up from my alarm clock going off, the memory was created that I had this dream experience, right? It was already, it is just like instantly fabricated to match what was happening in waking reality. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's kind of a new thing for me is like this dream memory thing and like what is memory and where how does that get like how does time and all this stuff relate to memory it's kind of like a new thing that i'm playing with i don't, I don't have the answers to you know yeah but, i have memories of some old dreams like i can remember them exactly so it's almost like the same as having a memory 
as a child. Like I remember some things as an infant. They're very vague. Yeah. And then I'll explain, like, I have this one memory of me being changed on a pool table, so I must have been two years old or something. And uh, I tell my mom, she's like, yeah, that happened. You, We were at camp. I barely remember it. But then at the same time, I have memories of dreams that are, they've never diminished. So, again, yeah. I, that, that's, that's, that's something weird going on there. Yeah. Yeah, as well as, like, um, false memories on going to sleep, that is common for me. So I'll be in, like, hypnogagia, kind of like the in-between state between waking and sleeping, kind of coming in and out of sleep. And suddenly I'll have these memories of things that I never did, you know? And it's almost like taking over my brain to the point that I'm, like, forgetting that I didn't do them and did them. And it's like I I get really confused, you know? I'm like, I, I didn't do that, like, Ah, no, you know, right. And it's like resisting almost this implant of a memory that never occurred, you know, or maybe it did. And I, I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, ah, so the memory thing, you know, is confusing by itself and applying that to dreams. It's like, oh my God, like I have no idea what's going on. And, but I, I know for certain that this isn't just random noise you know like right like these memories seem well developed and intentionally almost implanted into your consciousness you know for very specific reasons um what i what i was getting at is for uh, i think we mentioned something about history and like how we've changed a lot and um what i was getting at is like we've really uh de-evolved in the sense that we no longer have this symbolic language anymore we don't really listen to you people call that nature you know nature expresses itself through symbolic language and it is it's just emojis now (laughs) yeah yeah those are symbolic too right um but uh we really digressed and and in our advancement we we take literal interpretations of things you know and the scientific method really enforces that however you know i've and I was very science-based in my past, uh, but the anecdotal, you know, s- stuff is very important too. It's the experience, and also um, kind of having this art form that you can you can understand dreams through a language. And so it really is like relearning a language that's forgotten uh, through time, in trying to have dialogue with dreams and the the world you know right um but if you really you know i've i think i i was on last time i was like you gotta you know like have your listeners start studying symbols you know right and and i really give a reason behind that and um the reason is is because i think when you start diving into symbols and what symbols really are you start approaching that language and you start really it's like going to another culture you know like if you go to um say india and you want to learn the language you know it starts really opening up to a different way of thinking a mode of thinking that you never really um really dabbled in before you i got, think language is point. directly tied to consciousness in some regards oh, yeah. um so i mean yeah, yeah I, I think it's it, a great it does UFO alter your movie, con- it does right? alter your consciousness somewhat for sure arrival is a great example of that right the oh yeah, yeah aliens, like how would how would aliens communicate to us well one method would be symbols right and memory 
And so it kind of ties the two together. It's like symbols are actually memory and memory isn't something that is time-based or anything like that. So, right. um, you know, there's, I don't know the evidence supports that, but however, the movie does a really good job in exploring the idea and saying, Hmm, this is a possibility, you know, it's probably one of the better recent ones in terms of like, uh, having a good story and plot and everything like that for sure. Yeah. At what at what point do you think we we lost this connection to our dreams? Um, well, I mean that's a I, I don't know. It it seems very recent, you know, in the last few hundred years, I think. I mean, there was a huge like uh occult and um movement, you know, uh that in Europe. Um so that that seemed to be like the and Young was part of that, I think, right? And he kind of was trying to re-grasp the symbolic language and reconnect people to it and i think the occult movement would kind of was that way too it's like oh there's hidden knowledge in, in symbols and i i really desire to learn that and people attribute that to occultism right but um really i think occultism is just essentially um people trying to re-engage with that symbolic language but um i think anytime that we we see advancements in technology and things like that we start kind of losing our grasp on symbolic language uh, the more nature based things right the more mm. artic- like you know these are organic objects right they're like symbols are organic they're alive in the sense that like they change um and the things that they represent change constantly so like a human being is a symbol right um, I know I see you guys and I think oh I know you guys right but really you're constantly changing you know your ideas are completely they may be vastly different than the last time we even talked hmm. and mine too but my representation of you is like what I know about you from the past uh, how I feel about you guys and then like what you look like you know and I, and I generate an image based on that um, not just visual but you know the image right. that encompasses all that but really, that rep- that's the only way that I can communicate to you, you know, is through the symbol, which is you. But really, like, there's so much depth to that that I don't even, I'll never understand because it's constantly changing, you know. Right. And so that's, every symbol is that way. Like, a letter is a symbol that in right. our language, you know, written language is a symbol. So, like, you imagine that every word that you've ever written actually is a really poor representation of actually what those letters and that response that the person that reads it is going to feel and it's going to affect them you know so it's like um it's very depth you know deep these things are very deep Hmm. yeah and i'm i like it and i like the idea of symbolism and like the way you and i have kind of gone back and forth and discussed it offline and stuff and i like your ideas on it too um but yeah, I mean, in terms of let's pivot now towards like the UAP UFO type stuff. And you've yeah. been on the show. We did a whole episode where you discussed you had a sighting with one of your friends when you were a lot younger. Um, and then you discussed, you know, you've been on, you were stationed on the USS Nemitz, which is one of the aircraft carriers that had one of those, you know, the Tic Tac sighting in 2004. You weren't on the ship then, but, you know, we were just discussing, like, the culture and how people talk yeah. about these things on these ships. And uh, and then you were later stationed in Virginia um, where you did have a sighting on one of the bases, yeah. and you described it as some sort of large 
sky jellyfish trash bag looking <laughs> thing. I mean, it just, yeah. you know, that's what I remember you describing it as. But um, now when you look at like the news and it's all over the place, I mean, it's all over Twitter. It's all over the news. It's it's everywhere right now. It's um, how do you think about like, do you think that we're turning a, a corner in terms of the way we think about these things and more people are open to the idea now? So maybe we'll at least get to the bottom of what some of these things might be or at least investigate them deeper. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I I don't know. I don't think that people will really change. Um, you know, it, it, just from what I saw from the before the media really got a hold of it, right? Um, we we had some articles, we had some video footage, we had people coming out like the pilots and stuff coming out, and we had people that were such um, deniers of all that information. It's like holy crap dude like way to double down you know on right that's still going on too there's people that are there's a few skeptics that are really pushing hard (laughs) to like say that everybody else is an idiot for even looking into this thing yeah it's a joke um you know it's those people are always going to exist and i think they actually this let's be truthful here let's be honest the the only thing that the majority of people are are interested in is what is the utility of this stuff right because we're such in we're so consumer based and we're so like lot kind of logic based you know even though like most people don't really have a very good basic idea of what logic and reason is Hmm. we're so into that you know these facts right that if anything uh, disrupts that in any such way we'll try to get rid of it as fast as we possibly can and if it doesn't align with that too, and if there's no usefulness to it, right, then we will throw it out because we got a job to do, we got other shit we got to do, you know. So really it's just entertainment at that point, right? There's no real like utility to it for these people. So they're just like, oh, this is entertainment. And as soon as the entertainment's gone, you know, it's like whatever, you know, right. it's gone. Well, I, look, It doesn't change their lives. I think I, I'm, I'm okay with like skepticism or like, oh, you know, like – let's do more research or let's look at this deeper, you know, like stuff like that. But you do have these like skeptics that are, most of them aren't even scientists. They're just hobbyists, almost like how people look into UFOs. It's the same thing. It's just on the other spectrum and they're writing books and they're writing blogs. And, um, a lot of them aren't using logic and reason either. So if they want to say, Oh, well, these people aren't going through all the steps like Occam's razor to figure out what this thing is. They're not doing the same thing on the other end of things either they're not looking at these things objectively they're coming at it from a completely skeptical standpoint where they've already decided that that couldn't possibly exist so they're going to do everything in their power to figure out you know how can how can they present their idea of that so that they'll convince all the people right yeah i think it really comes down to like well, I know something, I know something, you know, and, mm. and you're wrong, you know, hmm. and it's on both sides, you know, it's like, I oh, know right. aliens exist, period, you know, and it's right. like, I know this, and I have to tell everybody, so they're like, on the same page as me, you know, they get something from that, you know. Well, it's, it's like the people are like, these aliens are from this plant, no, no, you, you don't know that, you know, we don't even know exactly what these things are, they could be from a different dimension it could be some super super advanced technology i'm not saying all of it or some of it i'm just saying there's some things that could be some things there's other things that could be other things but then people generalize these things on both sides (laughs) and say it's for sure not this or it's for sure this and it's like i think we need more 
people in the middle saying, well, let's just look at this thing deeper, right? Yeah. Well, there's like, uh, you know, a good example of what is happening, I think, is religion. Um, there's religions, you know, where uh, pretty small groups of people, they're pretty passive, you know, they're just like, hey, if you want to believe in what we believe in, that's cool, you know, come hang out with us, you know. But then there's like, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and eventually, like, they're like, no, you have to believe this shit. We'll destroy, like, all your history and kill you if you don't believe in what we believe in, you know? And then they're like, and that's what everybody hates about re religion, essentially, is they don't hate religion itself. They hate group think that causes people to get killed yeah, it's and, like, power destroy their corrupts, lives. Right? It's like well, this... That's what the man put into it, you know? It's, right. We always corrupt and, and wreck good things. But I agree with so you, then... like, the general idea behind it is not a bad, you know, like, you, you want to be a better person. You want right. to, you know, evolve your consciousness and your ideas and help people around you and just be a generally better person. So I think that, that right. at its core is a good thing but then you, you'd right you get enough people together it becomes a power dynamic and a power structure and then people are right. you know biding for who can uh control this person or you know <laughs> yeah. take it. so it's it, it is a um a thing like that but like how do you like watching the news now though like based on having your experiences like how do you feel see do you feel like a little validated do you feel like uh maybe we will get some sort of answers on what these things might be or what they are no, I just laugh at it, dude. Yeah, we were just joke. talking about this one. Uh, like, we shut off. I'm like, you're a freaking joke, dude. You're like, it's like, okay, I experienced something. You know, other people saw it with me. It's, I'm not hallucinating these things. You know, like these people are random, seemingly random people that work in the military. You know, and saw the same thing. It's like, okay, like, what do you, what do you want from us? You know, like we saw it. That's it's real. You know, like whatever. Right. And so I don't really, at that point, it's like, okay, you know, you want to disprove me? Okay, you know, I, I don't care because, like, it doesn't affect what happened to me. And, like, if you want to prove it, that's fine too, I guess, you know, but it's, like, it happened. I don't care at that point. It's like, I, I don't care. Well, you're you know? you're a smart dude and you think pretty deeply, obviously. You and I talk a lot. Um, do you think that... Like, I don't know. I, I, I guess I get what you're saying. Like, you don't care what anybody else has to say because you've experienced this thing. You know it's real. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, is like, when you think deeply about it, does it change the fact that, like, so do you care that other people believe that it's real? I guess is what I'm saying. Or you're just saying that just, just because you've experienced it and you believe it's real, you don't need anybody else's validation. But I guess how do we get to that next level where do you, are you even curious what they might be or what it might be or i i don't know uh you know i'm it goes back to me being an introvert you know like it um we have to go back to like who really is an introvert and who's an extrovert uh young you know created these terms introvert extrovert and essentially an introvert is somebody that finds meaning um <clears throat> internally right they they hmm deeply go down inside they find meaning from the experiences from internally right right uh, extrovert is they find meaning from things that happen externally to them like other people's opinions and like beauty of nature and things like that you know that's the extrovert kind of stuff it's not so much about like who wants to stay inside who wants to go outside right or right. who doesn't like talking to people etc so like me i'm a i'm a very strong introvert i find meaning by my own personal experiences I don't really need external validation to have that that meaning. 
So, but some people, you know, they're extroverts, you know, but I, I really don't understand that because I'm an introvert, you know, but mm. I can, I can understand that they, they need that, you know, but it doesn't really affect me, you know? So it's like, if a thousand people said they saw a UFO and one person said they saw a UFO, it doesn't really matter to me. What really matters to me is me experiencing it um, mm. personally. So that I have experienced it um, is the most important part to me. What helps me is validation from other people. You know, it. I'm confused. Like if it was by myself and I saw a UFO, I'd be like, wow, that's that's crazy. I saw that. But for whatever reason, I've always had somebody with me, right? So right. it's like, oh, okay, my friend saw it too. Okay, you know, that's right. cool. Yeah, uh, that's, that well, that's nice to let you know that there's actually somebody else that, that experienced yeah. it. I'm like, oh, okay, my friend saw it. Obviously, I'm not just crazy, you know. But if I just saw it myself, I would feel, you know, I'd be like, oh, I had that experience. That experience is real. But it would change the, it would change like the dynamic of it. So I've had uh, UFO um alien experiences in my dreams which most people i think would you know attribute to abductions it, they they were 100 percent abduction type dreams right but i don't go about like telling people oh yeah i saw aliens you know and all this stuff i go oh that's my personal experience uh however i feel about that is important to me you know nobody else saw it with me so i'm it's personal you know mm. so i just kind of i'm like okay but um you know, I think you, you hit something interesting though there, which is that, I mean, I wrote a blog about like, uh, epistemology and UFOs, like how do we know what we know? And in there I was talking about how like we build these myths. You were talking about like young and UFOs and stuff. And we build these myths modern day, which is like, we build these ideas and mythologies around this topic where nobody even has any evidence for this stuff. This is just things that they speculate or think or they deduct certain things that, you know, whatever. But um, until you experience something truly weird, you don't really understand. And last year on my dad's birthday, I was at his house and we were in his backyard and there was this massive orange orb. And by the time I picked up my phone, I actually pulled out my star chart. I didn't even pick up my camera. Most people would think camera. <laughs> I pulled out the star chart to make sure it wasn't like a star or like a planet, yeah. which it wasn't. And I kind of knew that. But I, I, by the time I went up, this thing's already gone. And the rest of the night, my dad and I were just like, that's so weird. That was just so bizarre. You know, like I wasn't thinking like, how can, Oh, I got to go online. We got to do an episode. And we saw a UFO from this planet. And you know, like it wasn't anything. And I understand that, you know, why some people do that. And you know, there are people out there trying to make money and trying to, you know, make a living off this thing. But at the same time, it's like, I think if we're really being honest with ourselves, um, the, the the stories and the speculations and the mythologies, they're just weighing us down to a certain point, you know, and I equated it to like the Greek gods, like the Greek gods to the Greeks were real. This zoo, you know, Zeus, oh, it's thunder, you know, there's lightning and thunder, Zeus, you know, they believed that, but mm -hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't really there. That's just a perception that they had at the time, right? So I'm not saying that that's the same thing because we do have some physical evidence, obviously, but I'm just making the point that like when you create these mythologies and you assign certain properties and different things to things, I think you're actually deducting from trying to find the actual truth or what that might mean. And you hit it on another point, which was what does it mean to you personally? Like what does that symbolism mean to you? And you, you were talking about UAPs and UFOs and dreams and aliens and stuff like that. I've had 
one lucid dream where I'm laying in like a red desert. I don't know if it's in the desert Mars. or the Mars or something. And there's just like a, a classic disc to my left, like a few hundred yards away, just hovering over. And I'm just like laying there flat on, uh, on the ground. And I don't know what that means. I still don't know what it means, but, um, Is Elon holding your hand. Yeah, no, but I, I it just, to this day, I still think about that. It was just very bizarre. And there was some sort of symbolism happening there. I don't, I still haven't figured it out. Maybe I will in the future. Maybe it'll mean something to me in the future, but um, just that idea of that happening. Um, I mean, so have you ever had an experience like that in dreaming where, or lucid dreaming where you experience not necessarily like an entity or like a sleep paralysis or like an abduction oh, yeah. type thing, but more of like an actual craft or something like that? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have had plenty in my uh, years of alien UFOs, etc. like, you know, people get abducted uh, in stories and they have like sexual encounters with aliens and stuff like that. You know, um, that happened to me. Um, that's pretty common in sleep paralysis, yeah. actually. It's like um, people getting kind of raped, actually, in sleep paralysis. Um, so I had, you know, I was laying in bed, had sleep paralysis. And then next thing I know, I think there was maybe like three aliens pretty much kind of gangbanging me. <laughs> so, um, But, you know, I, I knew what sleep paralysis is like and i knew that i really can't do much about it so i was just like okay you know this is what's happening and i was just like all right and they were like pulling me up into the sky in the dream and it, i you know i woke up from that and i was like okay you know that that happened what does that mean and but i didn't really like freak out about it and be like oh my god i was raped by an alien you know but you did and, have sleep paralysis issues with other entities where it was more oh, yeah. it wasn't really related to what you're talking about it was more just like these dark entities by your oh, bed yeah. or whatever that yeah I, I had gray uh this gray alien chilling next to my bed for months and and it was uh you know i was like trying to communicate to it i was like okay you know i don't know what this thing is if it's some type of thing from my psyche or whatever you know so i'm like i want to talk to it so i tried to like I like even like went into it's like as far as close as I could to its face and like because it was like trying to speak to me and I was like trying to like get in there and I couldn't understand the damn thing it was saying to me and um, eventually it disappeared it like um, <laughs> it was like these series of dreams I had this like black orb next to my bed that my mom gave me it's like a um it's a rock you know yeah and I put it next to my bed because like I had a dream uh, years and years ago before I even got this orb thing from my mom about essentially the same thing. And it was like sucking uh, dark entities into it. So I, and I'm not interested in crystals or anything like that. And my mom isn't either, but she, she happened to go to Arizona and to this like crystal show, you know, like those big rock shows or whatever. Yeah. And she yeah. found this orb and she's like, maybe Lee would like that, you know? So she brought it back to me and I was like, I was like, thanks, mom. I had a dream about this thing, you know? And she's like, really? I'm like, yeah. So I was like, maybe it has imports. Anyways, fast forward, the alien dude in my dream took it. He, like, ran off. Like, so I, I, I came out of, you know, I, I woke up in my dream. I was lucid. I, I moved out of my body, right? And and I look over in the corner where the orb is, and it's gone. And I'm like, the fuck? Where'd my orb go? And so I, I walked over to the door, and my door was open, and the, the alien dude had it took off with it. So I don't know what that was about, but didn't um, you have one too? Like, like the one, I think one of the first episodes we had you on where you were talking about how you got rid of sleep paralysis and you actually like swallowed yeah, this entity swall or something like that. 
Yeah, it's a black shadow creature thing that looked a lot like the Grim Reaper. And, you know, oddly, if you go through, like, the historical references to Grim Reaper and why uh, people see the Grim Reaper as it is, it becomes very dreamlike, too. Um, You know, it's during a time of pandemics, too. So, um, you know, so it's interesting. But they essentially, I just swallowed this thing. um, And I didn't know really why I even swallowed ate it you know i was like it was just like a natural thing that i i did and if it's a great i mean people start looking into the stuff they'll find it really interesting because i found people that described exactly the same thing as me they ate their the shadow creature Hmm. and and they're not they don't know me they never read my shit you know it's like historical it's before i was even born some of them I mean, there's a whole entire like culture in Africa that they're called like soul eaters. They eat spirits, and that's how they use them, you know. And then South America, if you go into um, indigenous tribes there with ayahuasca, they eat um, what they call darts, and they store it in the phlegm of their stomach, and that's how they they gain special powers. That they eat the spirits themselves, and then they store them in their stomach. So, um, you know, I don't. I don't know, you know, like what that's all about, but it seems like it's a pretty natural thing that people do for some reason. And, and that's now they gain magical (laughs) powers, you know? So like, so now we've talked about your experiences that you've had with, you know, UFOs and creatures in your dreams. And obviously you've had real, you know, waking consciousness experiences. What would you say is the main difference other than being, fully conscious for like the other ones like what was there did it have a some sort of similar feeling or like an archetype thing happening or was it something completely different no i think they're very relatable in the sense that um you know you you say you're in the dream you wake up and it's like who do you tell you know that you had this experience no one's really going to believe you really you know um so you really don't talk about it and then uh, there's no real place to talk about it. Um, the same thing happens with, seems to happen commonly with alien or UFO um, encounters. You know, you have this experience and then you're like, okay, what do I do with this? And eventually you kind of just stop talking about it, you know? Hmm. Um, both of my experiences, um, I stopped talking about it. I didn't really talk to people about it after the experience. And if I talked to those people about it, you know, they probably hadn't really talked about it either. It's just, it's almost so weird and bizarre that you're just like, I don't know what to do with this. So I just put it away into um, something that doesn't exist. It's like, uh, you know, I think it's pretty common for people to have waking hallucinations too, mm-hmm. like more so than we really think. Um, I definitely have some weird things that happen to me throughout my life. You know, you're like, did I see something there? Or, right. um, you know, what was that? And we just kind of ignore it, you know, because it doesn't really fit into the model of wake what we want to happen, you know, and we don't want people to think we're weird or anything. So we just kind of put it away. There's a good book called uh, Hallucinations. Um, and the author, um, he goes through uh, retirement homes and he's talking to the a lot of retirement home people, you know, older folks. And they it's very common that old people hallucinate all the time. They talk to people that aren't there. They, um, you know, have full on conversations with people 
and they really don't talk to people because or even their family they don't talk they'll mention to their family because they don't want to be thought as weird mm-hmm. and um you know crazy they don't want to be thought crazy and they don't want meds increased and all this other stuff you know and so they just keep it to themselves but he went in there and i guess he convinced enough people to be open about it you know as a doctor and he he showed that i think he had statistics in there it was a very high percentage of people that to have these things so it's actually really common for people to experience things that they can't make sense of even all throughout life i mean like <laughs> children have imaginary friends you know right mm-hmm. and and then they grow out of it and and parents are like oh yeah imaginary friend it was so fun you know it's like what the hell like you're, yeah i mean i wonder if there's some connection to that between like early stages of life and the very later stages of life in the sense that you don't have yeah. the same structure priorities or responsibilities that you do later in your life yeah well i mean when you get older you're essentially you start having dementia right it's very common for people to have dementia um and so the default mode network when you get older breaks down and that's what really causes dementia even in alzheimer's like um it's attributed to default mode network shutdown uh through this plaque buildup in the brain right Hmm. Uh, essentially your brain just doesn't work the same way and I i would assume that when you're a child your default mode network is is obviously not well developed or anything like that. So the brain is operating in an um, unnormal, abnormal state, right? So um, it would be common for people to have hallucinations during that time, because essentially, like your child and you're kind of like um, naturally having taken hallucinogens, right? Your like default mode network is kind of uh, almost to the state naturally that it would be when you would be on hallucinogens. Yeah, you're talking about like those graphs where they show your brain connections prior and after, yeah. you know, like that those graphs that they show. Yeah, that makes sense. So old people, you know, older people that have dementia, they essentially are doing the same thing. Their default mode network is a mess. They're hallucinating things that aren't supposedly there. And, you know, there you go. And then, but like a normal waking, you know, normal life where we're all together and everything, we take psychedelics and we're like, oh my God, I saw, you know, all this crazy shit. And it's like, yeah, like old people see that all the time. And so do kids, you know? Right. It's like, we're just, we're not in that mind state anymore because we've got our brain working and functioning supposedly how it's supposed to be. Right. And yeah, um, I mean, Ken Kesey actually directly correlated taking LSD with being a child and the way you see things and yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so let's wrap it up here. We'll do a, a short okay. Patreon. Uh, but, yeah, we really appreciate you coming on, obviously, and uh, congrats on the book. It's, it's, Thanks. It's, uh, yeah. it's, you did a great job, and everybody should go check it out. I have the link down below the video and the information if you're listening on an audio platform. And uh, buy his book. It's, it's, you know, it's on Kindle. There's also, was there a paperback, too? Yeah, paperback. paperback. I'm making um, an audio book of it too so nice if you don't like reading i'll be out soon yeah um, and uh yeah but yeah check it out super uh super interesting and shout out to inner traditions too i like uh yeah. a lot of the books they produce and uh yeah man thank you so much for coming back on obviously you're uh, a good friend and uh Thanks. you've you've set the record now you've been on like seven times so <laughs> Um, Thanks, and, yeah. but we'll have you on again in the future and we're obviously we don't want to talk too much about it yet but we're also doing another project with you and a few other people um, and uh, we look forward to doing something with that and uh, before we head on over or out on out of here 
Uh, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast for just $2 a month. You'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments. We're about to record one right now with Lee. We just did one with Lee not that long ago where he goes through steps on how to do, you know, how to get into the lucid dream uh, state. So go check that out if you have not already. And uh, we have a bunch of other stuff on there as well. So uh, one more thing, head on over to indrasweb.org. This is the social media platform we created to connect open minds. So whether you're hypothesizing, theorizing, or just speculating, it's a perfect place to do that. And um, yeah, a bunch of different topics, a lot of stuff we talk about on the show, metaphysics, all that kind of stuff. So, well, listen, Lee, thanks again. And uh, yeah, we'll catch everybody next time. We love everybody. Stay safe out there and uh, peace. Cheers. Mm-hmm.